Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who played a combined 878 regular season and postseason games for the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning. He was the first native of the state of New York to serve as a Rangers team captain as he served as a Ranger captain from 2011 until he was traded to the Lightning in 2014. Additionally, he has represented the United States in the Olympic and international play. This April, he was named the Director of Player Personnel and Development for the New Selects Boys Program at Bishop Kearney High School. It is a pleasure to welcome the man whose two-way play combined with grit and scoring touch made him an absolute fan favorite here in New York, the one and only Ryan Callahan. Welcome, Callie. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. You know that, you know, how much I, I enjoyed those years covering you. So first and foremost, how are you and your family doing during this pandemic? Yeah, we're doing good. I mean, as good as we can. Obviously, we're, we got through the homeschooling, everything. Everybody <laughs> didn't say we didn't kill each other during that, so that was good. Um, <laughs> And now we've we've moved back to Rochester, um, out of out of Tampa, so we're we're getting settled here in Rochester. But main thing is everybody's healthy, everybody's doing good, so we're uh, we're surviving it. So you know, I, this is a sports show, and I don't want to get too political. Um, but in a time when we want our leaders to use their voices, it seems it's our athletes who are all not playing right now are the voice of reason. Your post was dead on, so I want to take a moment and read it, and those who are watching on the Facebook Live app can actually see the the post. Uh, Ryan wrote this, I have watched, listened, and reflected on the events going on in the country. As a white male who has never been subjected to discrimination or racism, I can't begin to understand the pain and anger that would come with that. I've always tried to stay away from making statements or having opinions about such subjects in fear of not saying the right thing. Over the last couple of weeks, though, I have realized that not saying something might be part of the problem. The protests and raw emotions I have witnessed and have opened my eyes to the pain that you are feeling. I'm sorry that this has gone on for as long as it has, but we all have the power to make a change now. I stand with you in trying to make that change and fully support the peaceful protests. I'm against the looting and violence I've also seen and pray it does not overshadow what these protests are about, which is positive change. I will educate my children and myself every day to make that happen. Stay safe and stand together, Ryan Callahan. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, because I also you know, really grappled with, with what you want to put out there and what you want to say. Um, mm-hmm. Why was it so important for you to use your platform, get that message out there? And were you also worried on, on the flip side, today's age when people can be very spiteful on social media, that you might have faced a, a backlash because there are, are unfortunately tons of people that don't agree with, with what you said? Yeah, I, I was. I was extremely nervous about that, and I think that's part of the main reason why in the past of political things, or whether it be political or race or, or whatever it be, um, when people have such a strong opinion or religion or anything like that, um, you know, you, you try to, for me, I tried to stay out of it and, and not be a part of it and, and fear of saying the wrong thing. And, um, you know, like I said in my post there, I think just what has happened over these last three weeks or um, however long it's been now, it has opened my eyes in, in realizing that, you know, it's going to take more than, than just the people protesting or um, whoever it is to make a change. It's going to take everybody, and, and I'm part of that. Um, you know, and I, I have never been subject to any, you know, racial discrimination against me, so I don't, I don't know what that feeling is. I don't know what the pain that these people are going through. Um, 
you know, and I never want to see that pain, have anybody go through that pain. So uh, I just thought it was important to, to let everybody know that I, that I stand with them. I, I support them, um, you know, and at the same time, educate myself and realize that, um, you know, that there's a lot more things that I don't understand. And, you know, I, I need to understand to make sure that I am saying the right thing. I'm doing the right thing and doing things that people can follow. Um, being an athlete and, and being in, you know, the sport of hockey for so long, we're, we're role models, um, just like actors and politicians and everything else. People look up to us, we're role models, and, and we're the ones that the younger generation looks up to, listens to, follows. Um, so I was extremely privileged to be able to play in the NHL for as long as I did. But with that is, is also comes a responsibility, and that responsibility is making sure that um, you're showing that younger generation who looks up to you so much uh, the right way to live and, and the right way to treat people. And, um, you know, I was nervous to come out and say something for the fear of, of the backlash or for your fear of saying the wrong thing. Um, but you know what I said? If I, if I speak from my heart, um, I know my values are right. I know everybody should be treated equally. Um, you know, if, if it comes off wrong to somebody, I apologize. But, um, you know, I need to say something and stand up because maybe somebody out there is looking at me and saying, well, you know, Kelly just said something. This is how he believes. I, I can say something too now. I can stand up and not have that fear of that uh, that backlash or pushback that that you might get. So um, it's important for me to say it. And you know, my words there is you know my strong beliefs. And um, terrible things have happened, but but hopefully this will be a pivot, pivoting pivotal point where maybe we can see some change now. It's going to take time. We, you know, it's not going to be a quick change. I'm sure, but. Um, you know, maybe we could be part of something special and, and make that next generation and everybody out there, you know, ha- have that change. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy and I can't wait. And I'm, I'm hopefully I'll be a part of that. Absolutely. It was spot on. And, and, you know, I hope everyone goes and, and retweets it. And, you know, we start opening up a dialogue. You know, you reach out to people and find out, you know, because we all think we know what it's like, but we don't until you really open up a dialogue and speak to people that have gone through it, and it's eye-opening. I, I know I had a very long conversation with Kevin Weeks this week, and, and it was shocking to me, and it was an eye-opener. So, you know, very important message. Again, I stress people to, to go and read it again. Um, before we talk about your latest position, I want to talk about your great career. I was lucky enough um, to cover your eight years here as a Ranger. You were kind enough, uh, only, you know, to be part of Howie and Carpin. Um, my book, You Never Forget Your First, a collection of Ranger Firsts. You also wrote the forward to that. Some of your firsts were pretty cool. So could you sh- share with our audience how you found out you were drafted by the Rangers? Yeah, so it's kind of a, kind of a funny story. So um, my first year being eligible for the draft, I, was, I did not go into the draft. I was not drafted. So it would be my second year of eligibility. Um, talking with my agent, um, obviously central scouting list, all that comes out. And it didn't seem like I was going to be in the, the first couple of rounds of the draft. Um, so I decided to stay home. I didn't want to subject to myself sitting in the stands and, and hearing names getting called over and over, and um, you're not walking up there. So I, I stayed home. The first day went by, and I'll be honest, I can't remember if it's the first two rounds or first three rounds that first day what it was then, but um, I didn't get picked up in the first day. So the second day, I remember waking up early. I went downstairs in our living room on our computer, and you know I, tur- I put the draft on, and it has the list coming up because the second, or the second day was not televised, so... I'm watching it there, and then all of a sudden the phone rings. You know, so I, I pop up, I, I run upstairs, I answer the phone, and thinking that you know maybe this is the call I'm getting drafted. It ends up being you know a, a doctor um, for my mom or something like that. So disappointed, I go back downstairs. Um, phone rings a couple minutes later, and 
without the same excitement, I walk back upstairs not thinking much, and I answer the phone, and it ends up being my agent and letting me know that the New York Rangers are going to select me with their with their next pick, was a, which was a pick or two away. And uh, I remember running outside. My dad was doing some work in the lawn, telling him, and um, it, was, it was pretty special. Um, you know, coming from upstate New York and then getting drafted by the New York Rangers, um, it's kind of a dream come true. So it's, uh, it was a special moment. Another special moment is that first game as a New York Ranger. It's extra special because it's December 1st and it's at Buffalo versus Sabres. 4-3, Rangers lose in a shootout. Can you tell our listeners why playing in Buffalo was special as being your first game in the NHL? Yeah, growing up in, in Rochester, obviously our, our closest team was the Buffalo Sabres. They're on all the local uh, stations here. Um, remember listening to Rick Jenneret as a, as a young kid, um, watching all of those games. And then a couple times a year, my parents would take us up to the old odd. Um, so I was a huge Sabres fan, obviously, growing up. Um, and then I got the, the, the call up, and, um, you know, you get called up and you kind of look at the schedule, and the next game on the list is they're in, you know, the Rangers are in Buffalo. So right away I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, this would be a dream come true. And the reason I was called up, and I can't recall who the player was. I, wanna, I almost want to say it was Blair Betts at the time um, was questionable. So it, it wasn't even a guarantee that I was going to play in the game. Um, he was injured and he was trying to come back and, and play in the game. And it was the day or two before that he, he determined that he wasn't going to be able to play. And they informed me that I was going to play in the game in Buffalo. And, um, you know, just growing up a Sabres fan, going there as a family, watching the games as a kid, um, you know, it was so special to be able to get that, that first game in Buffalo. I think I played just over three minutes, but, um, you know, it was the best three minutes I think I've, I've <laughs> ever played. Uh, they have so much family and friends there and, uh, it, was, it was really, really special and really, really lucky that, uh, you know, that's where I, I had my first, uh, first game. It's interesting because as we were going through these first with you, there were significant dates where you get your first. Your first goal and your first fight took place on uh, March 17, 2007 at Madison Square Garden versus the Bruins. You actually scored two goals in that game. But what was significant about that specific date? You know, can you tell our viewers what that date was and, and how cool that was to score your first two goals on that day? <laughs> Yeah, it was St. Paddy's Day, um, you know, and being Callahan, obviously Irish name, um, you know, being on St. Paddy's Day, get playing against the Bruins, another original six team, uh, it was pretty cool, and especially to be able to score my first goal in Madison Square Garden uh, in front of the home fans, and then uh, ended up getting two that night, which, um, remember the first goal actually had to be get reviewed when, like, off my stomach, <laughs> off my arm, um, in true fa- fashion, trying to crash the net. Um, the assists were Blair Betts and Sean Avery. I still, uh, I still remember that. I still have the plaque of it. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting two tonight and then, um, ended up getting to a little bit of a tussle as well. I figured, you know, I already scored two. I might as well make this thing interesting and memorable and, uh, ended up dropping the gloves too. <laughs> so your dad was at that game. How much did that mean to you to have him there? As going back to juniors, he was such a part of your hockey life as your post game ritual always included you calling him after the game. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing for him to be able to be there for that, uh, for that moment. I, I know how much he sacrificed to, to let me play the game of hockey, working me and my brother play. You know, he worked two jobs, wasn't home a lot because he was always working. All the travel he did for us to, to take us to hockey tournaments. So um, to have him in the stands me, when I scored my first NHL goal was, was really special for the both, both of us. And, and you're right, that was um, to the day I stopped playing uh, last year. After every single game, I, if he wasn't at the game, I'd, I'd give him a call and um, you know talk about the game because obviously he watched everyone and that was kind of a, a ritual of ours and 
I could tell by the tone of his voice if, uh, if I played a good game or not, um, just from the hello. So um, he was my honest critic, and, uh, and it was good to always call him after the game. Your dad, as well as your grandmother, were huge Yankee fans. You get the opportunity to not only play a game at Yankee Stadium, you're also part of the press conference to announce a stadium series. What was that experience like for you, knowing how big Yankee fans they were? Yeah, I, and being myself, obviously a third-generation uh, Yankee fan, I was I'm a huge Yankee fan myself, and I remember them talking about it before they announced it that you know there was a possibility that games were going to be at Yankee Stadium and everything else. And, I was just so excited, um, you know, to be able to do that. And then being part of the, the announcement, being on the field, um, you know, all the, all the things that went into it were, and leading up to it were, were super special as well. So um, I, I, I think I said it in the book as well. I was, I was disappointed, though, because we were the visiting team for both games. So we ended up being in the visiting locker room and we're in, in the Yankees, uh, Yankees room, which was disappointing. But, um, you know, having it be such a special place uh, for my family, being Yankees fans, and then uh, getting the chance to play, play hockey on the field was, was pretty cool. You know, I know that contract talks are very emotional. They have many layers to them. And, of course, money is a big point as well. Looking back to the 2013-2014 season and the contract extension talks with the Rangers, when they stalled, you and the Rangers were apparently, as the reporting goes back then, uh, $500,000 per season apart for six years. Your side was asking $39 million for six, while the Rangers held firm at $36 million for six. $3 million is not a small amount by any means. But looking back at it now, and if you had a redo, do you think you'd do anything different? Um, well, I mean, I guess the reporting might be a little bit off. Um, <laughs> we, were, uh, we actually agreed to the 36. Um, so it was about a, maybe a week leading up to the deadline. We agreed to the $36 million, and, but we wanted a no-move and a no-trade. Uh, to go along with that, and um, unfortunately, they weren't uh, compliant with that. And um, you heard all the trade rumors that were out yeah. there. You heard everything that was going on. Um, There's a lot more going behind the scenes as well. Um, with a young family um, at the time, I just wasn't comfortable signing a six-year deal, knowing that I could sign that deal and um, be traded immediately, or traded the next year, or traded in the summer. Um, I I just needed that security for my family and. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't, they weren't willing to do that, which, you know, is fine. That's, you know, they, they, they can do what they want to. But um, I just couldn't agree to a deal where, where it didn't have a no move in it, um, at least for a while, just, uh, just having a young family. So that's where, that's where it fell apart. Um, you know, we, we agreed on money, but, um, you know, that no trade, I just, I just couldn't do it. You know, it's interesting because I went back this week and looked at, you know, a lot of the YouTube videos of the postgame locker room talks with you during that period. And, you know, you handled that because that was, I have to imagine for you, that was such a difficult time. Team was going well, but yet those rumors persisted and you were asked night in and night out um, by all of us. How difficult was that to try and, and maintain the positive attitude coming to the rink with that hanging above you throughout that entire ordeal? Hey, extremely hard. Um, that was probably the hardest year of my career, to be honest with you. Um, me and my wife actually kind of joke about it now, how stressed, how stressed out I was that year. And, um, you know, I've always tried to pride myself in leaving, leaving things at the rink, but um, that whole year was, was hard on me, hard on the family. Um, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't lying when I said I wanted to stay in New York and I wanted to be a New Yorker, and I took so much pride in being captain there. Um, you know, so it, it, it weighed heavy on me. And it, as you said, it was, <clears throat> it was tough night in and night out answering those questions. Um, 
I understand you guys had a job to do and, and what you were doing, and that was fine. It was just uh, it was just hard because I didn't I didn't have answers. You know, I, I wanted the, the deal to get done. I wanted to get it figured out, but um, you know, I didn't have too many answers. And uh, yeah, once uh, you know, once the deal did fall apart and I ended up getting traded, it's uh, you know, getting to Tampa and stuff. It, it, it took a weight off my shoulders. It did. Um, it was a it was a very long year on me mentally um, going through that and. Uh, having to deal with that for sure. And then to watch the team that you left go to a Stanley Cup final. But does the fact that you get the chance to play in a Stanley Cup final the next season kind of temper that whole experience? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, that was, that was a tough summer for me. Just I remember watching and I was so happy for the guys that, I was, <clears throat> that I've played with and, you know, how well they were doing. And, and obviously there's a, there's a PCU and I think everybody would be the same. You want to be a part of it. I mean, you, you know, you want to be going through that with the guys. You want to be in the Stanley Cup Finals with them. Um, you know, you battle with all those guys right up until March, basically right before the playoffs start. Um, so you're, you're so locked into that team, and then you're not out there, you know, the time of the year when it matters the most, and, you know, you're in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, um, you know, there's two sides of me. Part of it was a little bit of a jealousy, and I wish I was out there. Um, but at the same time, I was so happy for those guys that I played with for, you know, almost eight years, the minors with, uh, you know, Stalzi, Girardi, those type of guys, and um, seeing those guys having so much success and having a chance to win it, uh, I was really, really excited for them. You also get a chance to play for the USA, which also makes your words even more powerful for me. I mean, the fact that you represented your, your country in international play and then are using this platform even to me, exponentially, you know, makes those words more important. But what was the Olympic experience like for you and, and winning silver in 2010? What did that medal mean to you? Yeah, I'm, you know, besides probably playing in the Stanley Cup Finals, it'd be right up there with it. But it's probably my, my favorite memory from my career is that, that 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Um, like you said, just being able to represent your country and, and put on your country's colors. And um, there's so much meaning that goes into that jersey and, um, in the Olympics at that stage, um, you know, my whole family was in Vancouver. The whole city was, was amazing. You, you'd walk outside and, you know, the bars are lined with different, different countries' colors. Bars would erupt when, you know, Canada won a medal at anything. Um, you know, the whole atmosphere of that two weeks was just so amazing. And then um, on top of it, to, to come out with a silver medal, um, you know, at the time I, I was very disappointed we didn't get gold and took about a month month or two for me to realize that um, not too many people have a silver medal either either so um, you know to, to have a silver medal from the Olympics and uh, that was that was quite an experience for me and I think the most thing I'm happy about now with the medal is you know when my kids get a little bit older and they can appreciate it I could show them you know an Olympic silver medal which which I think is uh, really cool and don't sell it down the road like Mike Ruzioni did with his gold, all right? Make sure you hold on to it. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll keep, I'm going to keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, while you're on the long-term injury list in June, after you were diagnosed with the career-ending back issue, you joined the NHL Network's team as an on-air personality, as a studio analyst. What was the hardest part of going from sitting at your locker room stall and answering questions from guys like me to now being on the other side, which may have also included, you know, having some criticism of some of your former teammates' games? Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how, to, how I was going to feel about it, uh, how to really approach it. I guess it came about, I've always had an interest in maybe doing it when my career was done. I did a little bit uh, for the World Cup um, when I didn't get a chance to play because I was injured. I went in and did a day or two there and did it for the World Cup, and I enjoyed it. So 
the NHL Network reached out to me um, when they found out I wasn't playing and, and asked, asked if I'd like to do it. And uh, the way things lined up, I couldn't work for an NHL team or anything like that. And uh, the Ottawa Senators and the NHL were kind enough to, to grant me approval to do it. Um, you know, so I, I really enjoyed doing it. But it, it was tough. I mean, yeah, you know, going into it, I always said, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, um, there's a way to critique people, I think, because I've, I've been critiqued a plenty of times myself by the media and on the NHL network and in different ways. I think there's a way to critique somebody in a respectful way. And, um, you know, as a player, I knew that if I messed up or, or missed a play, I mean, there's no hiding it. I know I did it. I know, you know, I know that was my guy or I know I should have made that pass. Um, you know, someone's just reporting it. So I never took it personal when, when those things happen. So I just thought, uh, you know, there's a way to critique someone and, and that's how I do it. And I think the biggest thing for me was just being able to share my knowledge with the fans. Um, I love the game. It kept me involved with the game, you know, made me watch games, gave me reasons to see what's going on in the league. And uh, I really, really enjoyed my time there at the NHL Network. So speaking of former teammates, you know, I've had the honor of both covering your entire career as a Ranger and Henrik Lundqvist's entire career. As we mentioned before, social media can be very polarizing and ugly when it comes to people debating. Um, firmly, people that know me, I'm on Team Hank, and maybe it's colored by me getting to watch his work ethic, watching how much he cares, how much he wants to win, how honest he is. Um, do I think that Igor is the future for the Rangers in that? Without a doubt. However, for me... I think of you know. I think there could be no better situation than having Hank mentor the young goalie and even push him to be even better, as good as he is so far. I think you know Georgie is a good goalie, but um, even with Hank's salary hit, I think it's better to keep him here than buy him out. And I still think you can get a, a decent return for Georgie. So I'm going to ask you to put on your NHL analysis hat now and weigh in on that. And what would you do with the Rangers goalie situation and carry that one step further? The Rangers you know, first-round opponent in the play-in is Carolina, who Hank has had unbelievable success with. Who do you start in that game as well? <laughs> Put me on the spot, aren't you? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think I agree with all your points that you just made. Um, I think Sergey's uh, definitely the future, future netminder there. Um, I think Hank would be unbelievable in that role. I, but the only thing that makes me question that is you know and I know how competitive mm-hmm. Hank is right. and, how, and how much he wants to win, not only win, but, but be in the net, you know, while, we're, while, while they win. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it comes down to, to Hank, to be honest with you. If, if he's comfortable enough to, to step back and then be in that mentor role and um, not play the amount of games that he's used to playing, um, then absolutely you hang on to him and, you know, you, you let him mentor him and, and you – no better guy, I don't think, to, to learn from than, than a guy like Lundqvist uh, with his work ethic, his ability, um, you know, the, the way he, he knows that position so well and the way he plays it, he'd be an unbelievable mentor. But there's just a part of me that, that thinks that being a competitor myself and, and seeing Hank for all those years that um, he's just going to take a back seat and, and accept a, a mentor role. Uh, you know, I know how bad he wants to win. I know how bad he wants to win in New York. But... Um, you know, it's just tough for me to see that. So yeah, I, I, me too. You know, I don't, yeah. and I don't, so, I mean, if you're, if you're the Rangers, yeah, I think you'd, you'd love to have that where he's the mentor. But um, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's going to come down to Hank. And if he goes to them and says, you know, I, I don't want to be on the bench. I don't want to be a mentor. I, I want to play. I still think I can be a number one guy, which I believe he still can be. Um, and I, and I want to win being a number one guy. Then, you know, I think the Rangers will trade him. So I think it comes down to, to what Hank wants to do and, 
Um, you brought up a pretty good point when they played Carolina, who they yeah. who they who they start <laughs> in that. Um, I guess you'll you'll get to get a good luck right away. Yeah, we they, will. You know, they, are they going for it right now? Do they think they have a team to to make it to the finals and win, or um, you know, do they want to give uh, give Sergey that experience of, of playoff hockey, which I think is so valuable, um, especially to a young guy uh, to have that playoff experience. And and that's another thing that I guess not even speaking of the Rangers, but you know, all these teams that that have all these young these you know, these young players that. You know, they say try to try to lose at the end of the year. Or you don't want to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, to get that high draft pick. I think those teams that are building with those young players, it's just so valuable to to have that fight and you know for those points at the end of the year uh, to make the playoffs and then get into the playoffs. Um, that's why I love what the Rangers went out and did and picking up uh, you know the Breadman and, and Truba and uh, made some moves. So they are still rebuilding, but they're they're very very competitive and. Um, you're giving those young guys that experience of, you know, hockey that's meaningful in March and in April. I know it's different this year, but in <laughs> right. um, that playoff hockey, which I think goes goes so so far um, down the future for young guys. I mean, there's a culture there, right? You know, they think you could get a culture of winning, and there's also a culture of losing. And um, you know, you got to keep that good culture in the room. And I, I, I just love what. Uh, Gortzen and, and Drew and them have, and JD have done there with the Rangers and infusing some some older guys, some talented guys um, to their young core that that helps them along. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your new position as Director of Player Development for the new Select Boys program at Bishop Kearney High School. The BK Selects program, which has already seen measurable success with the 19U and 16U girls programs, hired you to build on that success with the addition of the boys clubs. This new program announced in late December will feature squads at the Tier 1 AAA, 14U National, 15 only, and 16U National divisions. How did this position come about, and what do you hope to bring to the position? Yeah, so... Um Chris Collins, who's a director there, has, uh, grew up playing hockey with him, and he knew I was making the move back home. So he just reached out to me and, and to see if there was some interest there of getting involved with this program. And um, you know, through talking to him and, and seeing what this program was going to be all about and, and how much talent these kids are going to have um, coming into this program and um, you know, being right here in Rochester in my backyard, it was kind of a no-brainer for me, for me to just jump on and help out. Um, you know, so for the program, I'm going to be going on the ice a couple times a week with these kids and, and helping them develop, um, helping them on the ice, off the ice, um, pretty much anywhere, any way I can. Uh, a lot of these kids are, are moving away from home for the first time and, and coming here to live in, in the dorms um, at 14, 15, and 16. And, and I did that at 16, so I, I know what that's like. Um, it, it can be a tough move away from home. And, um, you know, if I could be someone they could just talk to and, you know, I, I can relate to them what they're going through and the hard the hard times of it. Um, you know, then then I'll be a support system for them and, and help them get through it. So um, it was just right here in Rochester. I, I figured I'm going to be home now, and um, I got the time to do it. So why not jump on and try to help this program? Because I think it's going to going to be a really really special program that's going to develop some some very talented kids. It's a pretty cool moment to come full circle. I just want to get to, there's a bunch of great questions in the chat room. I just want to pick this one out because I'm not aware of this person, and obviously this person is. Uh, Brian Shelley wants to know, how did you like playing for Trent Cull in Guelph, who also coached uh, for the Crunch in Syracuse? Yeah, Cully was awesome. Um, I, I loved playing for him. Um, he was a guy that you could always talk to and uh, chat with and as I mentioned before, you're, you're a young kid in Guelph, uh, 16, 17, 8, you're 10 years old. So 
um, to have a coach that you that you can talk to all the time and uh, chat with, not only just about you know life, not not just hockey, but life also. He was uh, he was great. So it uh, I, I enjoyed playing for him. Man, Barry, Barry Shelley knows more about your career than I obviously do. But he, he also <laughs> says, Ryan, do you remember a friend of mine, Mike Smith, a former Syracuse Blazer and AHL linesman? He coached you while you played in Syracuse. I do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do remember the name. I, uh, I didn't play in Syracuse that long, so I can't give you a full background on uh, Mike Smith. But I do, I do remember him being an, uh, a coach there at Syracuse. All right, so I know you just took this position, and it's funny because, you know, it was my next question anyway, but there, there's a, a little note in the, the chat room that says, Coach Callie someday. Um, what, can you see yourself five to ten years from now doing what you're doing now at a pro level or maybe even go into the coaching ranks because you're still going to be extremely young? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you right now, I, I do not see myself as a coach. Um, the amount of hours those guys put in um, – there's no real job security, as, as we know. Um, you know, coaching isn't something that, that, that really interests me at all. Um, you know, doing some player development or, or something in the, the front office side of things, that, that, that really does interest me. Um, you know, I would love to, to work for a pro team and, um, in whatever fashion that may be. I'm not sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I could definitely see myself working for an NHL team down the road. And, um, yeah, being, being, being a part of that. So it's, uh, that's definitely something that's on my mind. be nice to see you and Drew in those uh, positions here with the Rangers, for sure. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so lastly, I wanted to talk about the amazing work you do with the Ryan Callahan Foundation, with, which brings unforgettable experiences to children battling cancer. The goal of the foundation is to give these kids and their family an exciting escape that they can enjoy together, far from the daily hardships. The foundation believes these special moments of togetherness have the power to elevate each family's hopes and spirit. Right now, you guys are doing something pretty cool with Callie's call-outs now through June 15th. Individuals making financial donations are eligible to receive a video from you. So can you tell our audience a little bit about the foundation and how they can get a Callie's call-out? Yeah, absolutely. So foundation, uh, foundation started um, when, I, when I got to Tampa. We, we started with just bringing some kids to the game and their families that, that were dealing with pediatric cancer. And uh, through meeting these kids and these families, we realized you know, how special they were and how much it meant to them that, that we wanted to do more for them. Uh, so we formed a 501c3, the Ryan Callahan Foundation, and we started sending these families on trips once, once a month um, and, and kind of like a make-a-wish style where they, they pick out where they want to go and all expenses are paid. And um, we've just met so many great families and, and so, many, so many great kids that are, are going through such a hard time that uh, – you know, we, we've kind of jived into everything. We, we help them financial support with them. Um, you know, if they can't pay their bills because they're spending so much time at the hospital, we'll pay a month of bills. Um, so we, we've kind of hit all departments with uh, pediatric cancer. And um, so we, during this tough time, obviously we were supposed to have a big fundraiser in Tampa um, in March that got canceled. So we were trying to think of ways to, different ways to raise money that we give to these families. And one of them was uh, through Callie's call out. So if you go on RyanCallahanFoundation.org, um, you pay a little bit of money and you kind of just kind of write what you want me to say, whether it's a happy birthday, um, graduation, um, you know, you want to chirp a buddy, I, I'm happy to do that as well. Um, so we just have some fun with it. And, and we're just trying to think of different ways to raise money um, for these families because COVID's going on right now. And there's not a lot of fundraising events we can do, but you know, unfortunately, these kids are still dealing with cancer and still dealing with uh, going through this sickness, um, even though COVID's here. So 
uh, we're just trying to think of different ways to fundraise. And so it, uh, it's been fun so far doing it. We've had some, uh, some interesting call-outs. I'm going to have to, you know, I like the chirping of Buddy. I'm going to have to get a script and i got to send it to you. Ryan, you know, thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for eight seasons of giving everything you had for the New York Rangers. Always having, and I tell people this, and I, I listen, it's a privilege for me to cover whatever team it is, no question about it. But, and I, I lo- love this team as well, but I tell people that, you know what, when people talk about chemistry and a room, it can't be underrated because I look back at those days, you, Boyle, uh, you know, Girardi, Stahl, Hank, you know, game in, game out, no matter what the situation was, you guys were always at your locker, always honest, never dismissive, you know, and, and thought extremely hard about your answers and, and I really appreciate it you know, always taking the time not only for that anytime we wanted you for the show you always said yes writing the forward for the book for me I, and you know this I explained this to you it was an absolute privilege to cover your entire career and I really appreciate you coming on with us tonight yeah well thank you I, I do appreciate that and, and, and right back at you it was a pleasure working with you for the, the eight years I was there and um, never asked me too hard a question so that was good that's why that's why why I liked you, but, uh, <laughs> but you're right. Those uh, those teams back then, where we had such great chemistry, the the black and blue shirts, as they called us. Um, yep. But yeah, those were those were really good teams with really good guys. But uh, you know, those are memories I'll hang on to forever. And it also gave me another excuse to break out my Cali jersey. I got it on tonight. So thanks so much, Rye. Stay safe, and, and I'm definitely going to be hitting up the foundation. i, I got to think of who I want to send a, a Cali's call out to. I really appreciate there it. There you go. All right. Perfect. Awesome. Sounds good. Good chatting with you. You got it. Be good, Ryan. Ryan Callahan, Director of Player Development for the New Selects Boys Program at Bishop Kearney High School, and maybe one day in the same role in the NHL and hopefully here with the New York Rangers.